What's going on, everybody? Patrick here, back at it again with another episode of The Main Stand, joined as always by the homies Josh and Mitch. Fellas, happy Wednesday. Um, how we feeling? How we rocking? The sun is shining. It's getting a little warmer. It's, uh, it's uh, almost the best three months to live in this state. Yeah, it's pr- pretty good vibes right now. Uh, obviously, I'm still out in the Midwest, but it, it's actually not that bad. This week's been pretty warm out here. Uh, Liverpool are still on the quadruple. Uh, so, I, you know, what is there not to be happy about at this point? The Revs playing dog shit football. Yeah, you guys are down bad, and uh, we, we'll get into that, I guess, right now at the weekend, kind of. The the recap, where, where are you guys standing with the Revs right now? Listen, we're still fifth in the MLS's power rankings, all right? That's all. I'm, I'm holding on to that really hard right now. Just uh, but abysmal showing against Charlotte on the weekend. Yeah, just down horrendous, man. I, I don't think we're even top five in the East right now, like in the standings. Early uh, in the year, though, we, we know how that goes. I can fact check that for you real quick. Uh, not. The New England Revolution are in 10th. Yeah. One win, one draw, and two losses. We're down bad. But yeah, like Josh said, it's only only four games left, only four games into the season. Um, like I always say, there's plenty of time for good teams to be good and bad teams to be bad, and the Revs are certainly a good team. So it's a scary yeah, mark. We'll 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 get it together. We'll get it together. We're not we're not gonna be the Revs we were last year. I said that already, but we'll get it together. No, it's it's definitely a different dynamic and and in three out of the four games that that the revs have played this year we've actually seen three different formations three different sides hit the hit the pitch so we're seeing a lot of rotation early on and i don't know if that's due to the lack of games going into the season with the removal of the cavalli fixtures and the and the quarters of the um the concacaf champions league i don't know if it's just a lot of travel early on in the year um but we'll we'll see how it plays out i uh i i trust bruce he's he's a proven winning manager in uh in the mls and we'll we'll ride it out and see how it goes yeah on the other end of the spectrum josh minnesota don't suck right now yeah we just like totally switched spots uh like from the end of last season minnesota are just like riding a little wave (laughs) another one nil victory over san jose this weekend uh, 1-0 FC, where the one of the five teams remaining that's undefeated in the MLS. It's like the the worst eight-point run I've ever seen in my life in terms of actual form and, like, aesthetic of play. We're so bad. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, a little weird with us, honestly. I feel like this team's still getting to know each other a little bit. A lot of new faces, obviously, um, you know, lacking defenders right now. We're having to put Hassani Dotson out at right back. I don't love that. Um, the new guy, the guy that came back from Minnesota from like the first year they were even in the MLS, Luis Amaria, I'll pull up his graphic right now, uh, is a stud dude has two goals in two games. Really like him up top, um, in favor of Adrian Hanu from last year. We'll see how far this team goes with Adrian Heath. I think he's the one that'll ultimately kind of bring them down because his tactics are just so dinosaur stone aged. Uh, obviously because he came from the Ev, I have to mention it every single time. Uh, but we'll see where we are come the end of the season. I think they'll be competitive. They'll be a playoff team. 
not really expecting too much else than that, but going to try to get to as many games as I can before I head out east. Mm. Then you'll I'll... then you'll get here just in time to to see more games. Yeah, and I'm going to see the most important game, which is Minnesota at New England. Watch you guys get your ass kicked at home. Listen, you go sit over with your 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 Minnesotans, and, your and we'll 12... be over in the fort having a good time. Yeah, right? the fi- beer on another teenager. The fan section full of like twelve people that are on the road. Hey, we travel well. Sun Country sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of that the only other real stuff that happened this weekend like from a footballing standpoint was we had the cup fixtures um and you know it's the fa cup it's it's early in the round but that uh set up some pretty juicy fixtures uh in april that we'll chat a little bit more about uh, those of you watching on youtube you see the graphic um yeah the fa cup was fun um I think while we're talking on, you know, a little, little weekend chat, uh, I think you guys might have been a little lucky to get by Forrest. I thought they played really, really well for that entire game. Uh, if they took their chances, that was a drastically different game. Um, you guys scored like two minutes after they fluffed, like golden opportunity yeah. to go ahead 1-0. Um, so, you know, I think Liverpool are a really good side, but I think these past couple of days – against Arsenal specifically and against Forrest, you've shown you've got a, a little bit of some, some cracks. All right, I'm not t- completely terrified of you. We'll beat you once in the giant stretch in April. I just don't know when. It's a Yeah, you bring up a good point, Pat. I think Liverpool aren't imperious. Uh, they're not perfect. But what I will say is that I don't think we ever felt threatened in that game against Forrest. Uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk and Kanate, I don't think, broke sweat in that match. Even the chances that were close, you know, we felt pretty confident with Allison back there. Uh, it was a good game. I think you have to tip your caps uh, to Forrest. I thought the fans were incredible, aside from the, you know, the bad chance they were making, which, you know, it's a week-in, week-out thing with Liverpool. Um, aside from that, it was a pretty good match of football uh, from a neutral point of view. Yeah, I, thought, I definitely thought it was fun. I was uh, recovering from getting the shit kicked out of me by a hangover, and I was watching that game uh, at a picnic table uh, waiting outside of a place in the Old Port to get lunch uh, on my phone. Jonta continues his form of just, like, playing like shit and then going out and somehow scoring a goal, and uh, he seems to do that a lot, not have a really great game, but gets on the, the score sheet when it matters. Yep. It's not yeah, necessarily I mean, a bad thing. No, it's it not. Big... Not at all. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it, um, I think it, it kind of carries on what Liverpool have been doing over the last few weeks, especially. We haven't been seeing a lot of goals per se. We haven't been seeing this, this high intensity counterattack. We've been seeing more control, more settling down the pace, and it's, it's allowing us to play our game and take advantage of those opportunities when they when they do arise and it's not as exhilarating in terms of you know what we're seeing on the pitch but we're seeing a master class from liverpool in passing and ball movement and and control of a of a 90 minute game uh on that note just a quick question for you guys um yeah. just cur- strictly curiosity with you starting to play at this this slower tempo and you know maybe losing a little bit of that like 
you know, that rock and roll football edge over these past couple of weeks that Liverpool have kind of made their name with. Are you nervous at all that that getting into that rhythm and, and developing this game might play into City's hands come those next couple of fixtures? Because, you know, playing, you have to beat them, you have to do that rock and roll style of football that you guys are known for. And, and do you think that coming into that game, the guys can still get up for it to like completely switch gears from the way that you've been playing these past couple of weeks? Or do you think that it might be a little bit trickier having, you know, been playing the way you've been playing? Um, I, I think City is always like that, that the matchup that, that you have your eyes on um, when it comes from the Liverpool perspective. And I, I don't think it'll be an issue. I think what we're doing right now is taking the time while we have it to play our game, settle in, develop a different play style that maybe wasn't getting us the the consistent results we've needed all along, establish ourselves, establish a rhythm, and then be able to go out and pull the trigger when it's needed. Because that that, that fast-paced football that we've we've been playing with the, the whippy balls in, the long balls, the quick uh, counterattacks, we, we haven't really seen a lot of of that on a consistent basis what we're seeing is more backtracking passing around using Virgil to start the attack uh, and then letting Matip open up play from the back so I don't I don't necessarily see it as an issue I think it's I think it kind of plays into the story or or the mind games of 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 what Liverpool can do to set up success moving mm-hmm. forward toward this this end of the season and this this cup run I think it's necessary because we're seeing opponents from a wide spectrum of different play styles. So we have to be prepared on any given night to be able to establish our game and then, and then push and and kick that next gear up when it's, when it's needed without wasting the energy. Yeah. I think there's also probably some context to the last two games too. And I know it's not like necessarily been rock and roll football lately. You have like the Milan result, the Brighton, the Brighton game, and all those are kind of snatch and grab fixtures a little bit. Um, the Arsenal game, I mean, Arsenal are a good side lately, and I, I think they're tough on the counter, so I think you have to play a little bit more conservative against them. Um, and Forest, ultimately, you make seven changes to that starting 11, so you're obviously going to have different results in that one, especially starting uh, who started Joe Gomez out on the right, kind of struggled yep. at the beginning, and Costa Simicas out on the left, who I thought did a fine job, but isn't Andy Robertson at the same time. Um, and we're going to be without Trent for a couple more weeks, too. Uh, I don't think that's true, actually. I think, you don't think so? No, I don't. Um, so I think the way that was worded was he, he's out for a week, potentially more. I think it's very coincidental that Robertson gets COVID and Trent gets a hamstring injury, which is like the most common muscle injury of all time right before England camp in a window where they're just playing friendlies. I think that Pol- could be a little bit of your politics with Josh. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be that crazy for Jurgen to ask Trent to do that. No, no, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, especially with, you know, kind of the the the, the aura around the club right now with, you know, Jurgen on his way out in the next few years. We have a side that's really starting to hit their prime that that is having a great mix of um both veteran talent that has been established and youngsters. Uh, thank God the injury bug hasn't been this insurmountable thing this year. 
Um, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities for, for those guys to not necessarily want to go to camp right now and, and focus on the club level, especially where England's kind of set in their – yeah, and it's also not, you know, it's not like fucking Southgate and Trent Scotland, are like yeah. bros. I mean, I think Trent right. probably hates him, uh, <laughs> to be fair. And to, also to Pat's point um, about just like Liverpool kind of squaring up with City, I'll, ma- I'll make this quick. I think Liverpool are a bit like uh, Patty the Batty in the UFC. Sometimes it, uh, he quoted this you know, at his fight this weekend. Sometimes he has to, to take a nice punch to really wake up in a fight. Uh, and I think Liverpool can be like that quite quite often. Uh, sometimes it takes a real close chance on our end to really open the game up and start attacking the other team, and I think that's generally how we play against City. Sometimes it takes a little bit to, to really get that wake-up call. So ultimately, I think when that game starts, first 10 minutes will probably be pretty nervy, balls back and forth in the middle third. I think when City gets their first chance, uh, Liverpool's wingers really start to wake up and start to pressure that City defense. Now Laporte's just gonna lock Salah down like he did last year. Yeah, like he locked him down in in September when he put him on his ass. Hey, hey, all right, we're, not, we're gonna just forget about that, okay? Well, that was a draw, so it's fine. <laughs> that was a draw. Do we want to no, talk about the other side of Manchester, uh, narrowing down on the the managerial targets? Let's do it. Let's do this damn thing. So we're, we're hearing that Ten Hag has officially been interviewed for the position, according to Fabrizio Romano. What do you guys make of that? Is, is he the right guy for the job? Uh, all you know, Posh rumors are obviously going to be out there, and I think there's two other names as well. There's speculation on who those are, but Ten Hag seems like probably the, the best fit at this point. I, I think Ten Hag is a, a great coach. Um, yes. I think he's the best idea Man United have had, yeah, you know, since hiring Sir Alex Ferguson for, you know, for a manager. Uh, but that being said, I, I like I've mentioned before, um, ultimately, I don't think Man United's problems are just their manager. Yeah. I think they have a group of guys that really don't give a shit, and I think they have a board and a, a group of directors and, a, and people behind the scenes at the club that also just don't give a shit. And I think that plays in pretty negatively to the club as a whole. I think Ten Hag is definitely a step in the right direction if they do end up getting him. Um, and, you know, outside of that, he's a, a really, I think he's a really, really good, like new to the scene, like up and coming manager. Um, it is really funny though, that, and this is just me being a city fan for a se- one second. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, uh, you know, these rumors have been flying around and I've been seeing a lot of people calling him a young manager. And, um, I think it's pretty funny that a lot of these people clearly don't actually understand what they're talking about because Ten Hag is older than Guardiola. He's 52. I didn't know that. Ten Hag is 52 years old. He's so. a damn good-looking 52-year-old, I'll tell you oh, what. Yeah, he's handsome as shit. I hope I look half as good as he does. <laughs> he's done work but, at Bayern before, hasn't he? Uh, I think he was Pep's assistant coach at Bayern, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. He's worked under Guardiola, and I think it was at Bayern. Yeah, um, I think he was. Good football brain. Um, you know, if he goes to Man United, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to have to call him an overrated bald fraud, and he's, you know, the worst <laughs> manager on the planet. But uh, I rate him really highly, and I think it's really good business to ma- if Man United bring him in. It's definitely a step in the right direction, and it would be a statement appointment saying that, you know, we're here to, we're here to play. Um, so, yeah. 
kind of felt like that under Mourinho, I feel like, a little bit. Uh, yeah, but Mourinho was clearly kind of past it. Um, he had taken a sabbatical after completely imploding with Chelsea. Yeah, you know, classic Mourinho stuff. Uh, so, you know, Ten Hag has done nothing but really good work with this Ajax side. And, you know, the next logical step up is, like, one of the big, big boys in, you know, English football. Not to say Ajax isn't prestigious because they have more history than 80% of clubs out there. But in modern football, Man United taking a job like that at a club of that stature is definitely a step up. And I, I think that it uh it's it's a different appointment in in appointing someone like ten hag versus someone like Mourinho. yeah i agree with that too pat and i I think the one thing that we don't really mention enough uh like on this podcast specifically we've talked about like the club's politics everything really around man united haven't really talked about recruitment that much i think that's going to be a real strength of man united if they do get ten hag i think the the back room of him and you know ragnick in the back kind of coming up with a plan of who is the style of player they want to sign in the future from behavior, attitude, talent, uh, and they can really kind of shape this team from the ground up. I think that's kind of where Man United become a little bit scary to have two really good minds who have been at clubs uh, that are kind of mid-sized and had a lot of wiggle room of who they sign and what they're building. Uh, I think that's kind of where Man United get a little bit scary this summer. Agree. Yeah, I, I think bringing in Ten Hag, Ralph behind him, um, I, I think Man United really do have a chance to reestablish themselves next season, especially if they happen to miss out on European football. Which is likely, looks like at this point. I think nah, Koch... they might get like Conference League or Europa League. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be of the top eight, but... Fair, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I assume Champions League. That was my bad. Um, European football you care about, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think Pochalt, if he got hired, I think that would be kind of a puppet job. He seems kind of like someone that the, the board could probably control a little bit. PSG. Exactly. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Ten Hag to United? Seems pretty straightforward to me. I, th- yeah. I wanted him at City after Pep, but it uh, doesn't feel like Pep's leaving in the next few years and Ten Hag's ready to move. So, Yeah, it just doesn't line up, usually the way it works in football. Uh, speaking of lining things up and uh, you know affording new personnel, came out today, according again to Fabrizio Romano, uh, Declan Rice, West Ham values him at $150 million. Mitch, what do you think of that move or that, that value? That is- that valuation is the English curse. Um, do I do I rate Declan Rice? Absolutely, absolutely. He's a phenomenal midfielder, um, but not for 150 million. I, 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 not even remotely close. I'd I'd probably put it closer to 85, 90. If it, if he wasn't English, if he wasn't English, that is how much money somebody could could reasonably say okay we'll we'll bring you on but i i think it it comes at a time where he's on good form he is reaching that contract talk and he's hitting hitting his stride um as a professional football player in the in the premier league so i think all those pieces together create this number but if if i was a manager 
uh, or or a club looking to bring him in, I wouldn't touch him for 150 million. That's just me. You know who I think uh, well. United. I think the Magpies uh, up in Newcastle have, have a pretty good shot about it. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be a pretty insane marquee signing this summer. Declan Rice for $150 million. Yeah. That would I mean, be huge. It would bolster their midfield. Um, and I, I feel like, I mean, could could we see that price tag also kind of taking advantage of the financial situations around the, the league at, the, at this time? Because Declan Rice isn't going to leave the premier league no. if he's if he's switching clubs he's not leaving the premier league so no. so we take a look at all that's going on at chelsea we take a look at the the emergence of newcastle we take a look at the position of west ham and the clear and obvious uh you know gap at the top of the 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 league could could that valuation be saying hey Let's uh let's make some money. We're in that top six mix right now, so let's 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 make some money and bring in somebody yeah. who who can transform our side too. One hundred fifty million could give West Ham a lot of depth to challenge for Europa League and stuff like that, which it feels like something they care about this season too. So, yeah, they they've sure. always been kind of like a reinvesting club. They're not going to hold on to someone that expensive. Someone's actually willing to pay one hundred fifty, which looks like Newcastle probably would be. Uh, my other intriguing question here is, and, and th- Pat, you can answer this one first. Uh, where do you see Declan Rice playing at, at his next team? In a six or a central mid? Do you play him in a double pivot somewhere? I guess it kind of depends on what team he goes to. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's always looked the m- most comfortable in a two. Okay. He's never been a lone six at West Ham. He's always had someone next to him. Has he played that for England at all, lone six? No, I don't. I don't think England play with a lone six. I think they play with they play that Christmas tree with yeah. two, with two eights or defensive minded eights. But yeah, I, I think Declan Rice's best best position is on the right of a midfield two. Okay. Um. So he has I, I would say really that, better going forward this year. Yeah. Uh, I think giving him the license to roam, but also giving him that defensive responsibility is good him having a partner means if he's feeling himself he can step forward um he's got decent passing on the ground uh, he's good at breaking lines and he can kind of carry the ball so having a partner who can cover for him when he decides to step out and, and vice versa him having the defensive know how to cover for a defender mm. or a partner in the midfield when they step in um i think really complements declan Wright's uh strengths a lot and getting him uh you know getting him in that midfield side uh, you know, it, look at Newcastle, for example. They play a 4-4-2. They play a midfield two. Um, you know, him next to a player like Shelby, he can cover for the fact that Shelby has no fucking legs but can still yeah. put a ball on your foot from, you know, 60 yards. Um, and he's got that veteran mentality. And then, you know, he can also, like, curse people because he's, you know, fucking Lord Voldemort. But in all seriousness, I think him and Shelby would be, like, a decent midfield pairing. Um, and, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that Jolinton – has been good this year, but Rice is certainly a step yeah. up from Joe. Have Bruno G right playing right in front of him. That'd be a pretty nice midfield trail. That, you know, you get a you start playing like a four two three one. Yep. You got Gamero. You got uh, Max or not Gamero. Give Gamero I don't know how to Yeah, yeah, whatever. That guy, the Brazilian that they signed, who's an attacking <laughs> midfielder. You got him in front of the midfield back two, and then you've got like Saint Maximin and another winger. Chris and Wood. Joe, 
striker again, or you play um, the kid, the guy they signed from Arsenal. Willock. Yeah, yeah, him. That's a decent front five. Yeah. Did you mention Chris so, Wood? I mean, Chris Wood put a ball in the box anywhere that man finds it. Exactly. So they they got options, and uh, yeah, I, I think Declan Rice definitely um will find his feet. United Somewhere. have to be eyeing this, and especially because they play the double pivot. Oh my God! Yeah, anything to step up from Fred and McTominay too. Um, that's what I was thinking. Is I think it'll be like maybe Newcastle and Man United fighting for Rice this summer because United have desperately needed like needed like a, you know a class defensive midfielder and you know missing out on Camavinga last yeah. summer. Uh, feels like Pogba's going. Fred and McTominay are fucking ass. Um, you know they, they need someone back there. Yeah, it's a it's a weird one. Uh. Declan Rice. I mean, I guess we'll find out this summer where he's going to go. I just feel like a, a double pivot, such an ancient way of playing. I, I feel like the lone six, like really good teams play that lone six. I could, I could probably see him playing both. Honestly, if you know, we'll see how it I think falls, he I guess. could do it for sure. I think he's got the positional know-how to do that. He's got the size to do that too. Um, it, it's it's just that feels like a position that you really need to be like a, a class sweeper in order to, to do yeah, that. That's fair. There, we, and we've been blessed to see, you know, two really good ones do it for our teams respectively over the past couple of years. So, you know, that, that position is definitely what the good teams play what the modern teams play and is, you know, what you see these expansive forward thinking teams often yeah. play. I don't know if Newcastle or Man United are necessarily that right off the bat. I think Man United are certainly an attacking team, but are they necessarily a team that's like super expansive and possession heavy and really utilizing their fullbacks? And, and, you know, I just don't, I don't know if that's them just yet. It really depends on what Ten Hag does if, and when he just, he comes into that side and what he wants to make for changes too. Yeah. Any other transfer news? The one I can think of off the top of my head is Frank Cassie confirmed going to Barcelona in the summer. I think that's a good move. Yeah, I yeah, think so as he, well. He's been he's been playing well, and I think just the the style of play that we've seen out of Frank Cassie fits the moves that Barca have made. Um, I think he adds a, a little bit of balance to that midfield, and um, we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. But Barca's kind of kind of turned turned the ship around huh oh my god yeah I, I honestly absolutely love to see it uh josh bantered me off for saying i thought javi was gonna be a good appointment and now look at him we'll see we'll see it's been 10 games we <laughs> arsenal won 10 games in a row too it doesn't doesn't really make a difference they just arsenal put didn't the beat the brakes off of man city in their first 10 games under arteta though that's the thing well fair I, and and that game against Real Madrid was something else. It it looked like it looked like Real Madrid's B team if they were run through with injuries and they had to play like the B B team and then put that out and then Barcelona looked like prime Barcelona. They did whatever they wanted for 90 minutes and they they played the fuck out of the Bernabeu. Yeah, and, like, back they the years. played them out of the building. A ball and I call I called it 
right at the start of the game with Real Madrid playing in black kits at home for the first time ever, they rolled up to their own funeral. Yeah, they got murdered. Yeah, I mean, outfits can dictate the outcome of a game. Uh, 100%. Josh, you as a betting man should know this. I did well last week. I went like, I think like 6 for 11. We're up 20 units on the season. That's all I'm going to say. But y- y- the color of the Gatorade dictates the Super Bowl. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, these things do matter. You're well, saying it like I, I don't know matter. if that got released however many days before we did the podcast. No, it didn't. I, I think that was, like, within 24 hours of kickoff they decided to do that. Which is crazy, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a weird one. Um, the other two, just before we switch kind of topics here, the only other two transfer topics I have, uh, Dybala leaving Juve on a free and Origi looks like he might be going to AC Milan, which is going to be awesome if he is AC Milan's starting striker in Serie A next season. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by, uh, by that. Uh, also word is Taki is out as well. Yeah, likely this summer. Um, so, I mean, uh, football without Origi is nothing, so good on him for, uh, if, if, if the deal is done or if kind of like the terms have been agreed to at this point, I'm not sure where it stands, um, unless it's just rumors at this point, but I mean, we've been on this Origi roller coaster for what, three years now of, is he, is he leaving? Is he not leaving? What, what are we doing here? He's going to leave in the summer and no, he's not, he's going to stay. And we've had these iconic moments within within that, so it does it does hurt a little bit. But um, no, we'll we'll see Arigi in the. Uh, he's still hella young. He's like twenty five. European competitions. I know. I know. It's crazy. You said Dybala on a free. Yeah. I'm ringing Pep. <laughs> I'm calling him right now. Would you take Dybala at City, Pat? Absolutely. Where are, are you, you playing him? You have you have six attacking midfielders already. He's a center forward, bro. The false. If we don't land Holland, give me him. Oh my god, that'd be sick. What Pep would do with a player like that? Pat reminds me of that kid in the in the taxi with Pep. He's like, Messi's your friend, right? You sh- you should give him a call and Bring tell him, him to come. No, Messi's tell him a, to come Messi's a play with us. PSG over City this summer. Greatest of all time, but he's a rat. Just, just give your mate a call and tell him to come in. We should have done. That's crazy. I've rung him up. Said, "Don't go to, don't go to PSG. Come to City." Like I said, greatest of all time, but he picked PSG over City. It's a fucking rat. <laughs> you heard it here first on the main stand. What Pat anyway. thinks of Lionel Messi? Love him to death. Fuck him. We already kind of talked about Liverpool City. Um, obviously, they drew each other in the FA Cup semifinal. That game is also being played at the Etihad. So, two games at the Etihad, potential for a Champions League final against each other oh, as they, well. They announced they're playing it at the Etihad instead of Wembley because of the no trains thing. Oh, oh. It's at Wembley. Are, no, you are right, Pat. I don't know where I got that from. It might. Well, it, it's because they're talking about changing the venue because there's no trains to Wembley that day. Yeah, I thought they were talking about Old Trafford. Um, yeah, that's what I've seen—a neutral ground playing it in Old Trafford, okay. but which is hysterical. That's so fucking funny. <sighs> that two of Man United's biggest rivals will be playing a cup semifinal game at their home stadium if that gets okayed. That's so fucking funny. 
probably a lot of green and yellow scarves around Old Trafford on that day. <laughs> Just send it to the London, okay? Well, the that's the issue is there's no trains into London. Into like... London from Liverpool, you know, from wherever Mersey. Yeah. I don't know the fucking name of the town. Sorry, from there or from Manchester the day of the FA Cup semifinal, and gas is out the ass expensive. So it's pronounced petrol. There's an uproar, and I agree. I think that's fucked up. That if petrol only was... is called gas in America. <laughs> um, real quick, I do, I do, I do want to talk about this stretch of fiction for these two sides because it feels like the be- the first two weeks of April are going to define both of these teams' seasons. Absolutely, and it's dope that we get to see this happen. Um, feels a lot like um, 2010, 2011, Barcelona, Real Madrid, minus the head games, but you have they drew each other in the Champions League, and they had El Clasico in the league, and that was then a, a league-winning El Clasico victory for Barcelona, plus yeah. you know ultimately beating them in the Champions League. But that's what this tie feels like right now, except it's the FA Cup and the league sandwiched in between the fucking champions league but that's that's what is uh, to me is so insane about this is both of our hopes for silverware are the first two weeks of april going to be decided because if you win that game i don't see city catching up i don't see you dropping any more points the remainder of the season and you go on to win the league if we win that game I see City using that as a huge momentum boost. And then it opens up a four-point gap at the top of the table, which means we can lose one more game and still have a one-point cushion. And then the FA Cup, if we beat you in the FA Cup or you beat us in the FA Cup, you beat us in the FA Cup, and that's fucking the quadruple train is rolling full steam ahead, baby boy. And if we beat you, it's like, oh, fuck your quadruple. We can, you know, we can still win a couple of trophies. Um for City, it feels like it's it, it, there's a lot more riding on these two weeks because Atletico are a tough ask. Um, I got what I wanted, though. I did say I wanted a good team in the quarterfinals, and I got what I wanted. I think City beat them over two legs. Just well, you know, we'll just I'll get into that a little bit more in the in the next section here, but I think they do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a really dope two weeks of football. Um, don't, but don't fucking talk to me until after it's all done because I'm gonna be a puddle of emotion. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I get to go over to Pats and watch two games in, in a week and a half. It's – or it, yeah, well, not even a week and a half, eight days. Two games in eight days. I was listening to Mark Goldbridge Six earlier. Days. And he, Six he days, hit it, sorry. He hit it nail on the head with, uh, you know, a lot of teams have really good seasons, you know, September through March through April, but really, like, the greatest teams of all time are defined kind of in this 10-week period that's the run-in. Uh, and a lot of teams have been really close to trebles or uh, doubles, really big seasons, but ultimately only a handful are actually um, there. So we're kind of both there right now and experiencing those highs and emotions. But at the end of the day, probably only you know one of our teams is going to go down as like this season was theirs. Because uh, I don't think Liverpool and City are exclusively going to win like the trophies that are remaining. I think they'll probably split them or you might see like a Chelsea – Real Madrid win 
you know, the, either the FA Cup or Champions League, something like that. Um, I foresee if Barcelona play Real Madrid in the Champions League. I don't feel confident in them at all anymore. I take, I, I resent my statement from last week. I'm fucking City are favorites to win the UCL in my book now. Fuck it. Yeah, after last week, that's not a bad that show. A fucking nightmare, Dad. Fucking, I'm fucking nope. I'm out on them. They were without Benzema, to be fair. Yeah, it's one fucking player. Benzema doesn't wow. stop conceding four goals. No, but he's been pretty important this year. Oh well, yeah, but okay, maybe it's four two if Benzema's in the side. I get what you're <laughs> saying. It doesn't really affect the defense, but uh, yeah. E- either way, either way. All jokes aside, uh, it's gonna be a really, really fun two weeks. Um, it's gonna be a really testing two weeks for the friendships on the main stand. Um, we've done a pretty good job, like not getting too, uh, not too much banter when it gets a little tough. We haven't really gone through any tough periods this season, to be fair. <laughs> no, this is going to be tough on someone unless we split the games. Like, I mean, we've all been all buying, uh, we've all been eyeballing this since the schedule came out, um, and to add the extra layer to the onion that is having to face City in the semifinals of the FA Cup. And both of those games happening within a week of each other mm. is insane to me. Do you guys and... think Klopp starts um, your backup keeper in the FA Cup game? No, because he didn't against no. Nottingham. No. Yeah. No, uh, dude, is, uh... I, I want to say Pep starts Ederson in that game, but like he's pretty adamant about giving Stefan his cup time. So, yeah. That's, the game I can, that's I can one of those see... things that sets the mood for the run in, though. Well, I guess we'll have to see, but Pep's been pretty adamant about giving Stefan his cup time. The uh, so so, Al- Allison was given the FA Cup. The Kelahar was given the Soda Cup. We he, Klopp came out and said we're riding with Kelleher. We're riding with him. It's it's his cup for for the Carabao Cup. And in an interview last week, Jurgen said it's Ali's tournament. Um, when he was asked about it leading up to the Nottingham Forest game, so I don't I don't see a change there. I. I don't even know how you rotate a side with these three fixtures happening. We're, we're playing three games in six days, both of us. Um, we got we got City, Benfica, City, in a span of six days. We got Liverpool in at three different competitions. Three different competitions. So, I, champagne problems, I, baby. I feel like I feel like I mean we're we're a couple weeks away from this, obviously. We're going to have more stuff come up for sure. There's going to be more drama leading up to it uh, with the international break. I'm sure somebody's going to get injured somewhere. Not any good city players. None of them got fucking called up. <laughs> Lord. Uh, but it, it just it feels big. Like this feels like the biggest week that either of us, are, either of our clubs have ex- experienced in the last three years. Like it I feels mean, there like... was that run in in seventeen eighteen that like season defining run when City were on that hundred point season. Didn't you I got... say the last three years? Champions League, but said the last three years. It's been a... it was a couple years before that. You know, I'm saying with everything that went on with COVID, with right. every that was four years ago. That was four years ago. <laughs> I had to do my I'm fucking stupid. I had to do some math. Uh, but no, like it just both clubs are operating at full capacity right now. We're, we're both in three competitions. We get to face each other in two of those competitions with a, a month left in the season. 
and it just it it brings that that level up a little bit more it feels yeah. like it feels bigger than what we've been able to see it it adds an extra layer to, like that like i said earlier layer to that onion where this means more this is this is this feels like the culmination of everything that's happened over the last few years that liverpool marketing campaign really got to you how huh, much what this means this more. means more oh <laughs> fuck dude they, they really played you on ah, that one pay the man god damn it <laughs> that's classic uh if you're familiar with like the liverpool this means more campaign that's a really funny uh deep cut um i we, didn't even think of that we, we touched on it a little bit already um but the the Champions League draw was obviously the day after we released last week. Um, some tasty, tasty matches in this one. Chelsea-Real Madrid rematch from last year. Man City-Atletico, Liverpool, and Benfica, and Villarreal-Bayern. Uh, how do you feel, Pat, about drawing Atleti? Uh, aside from what you already good. said. I feel good about it. Um, I, I, you know, respect to Atletico Madrid. They're an unbelievable side and I'm not taking anything away from that. And I'm not here to discredit how good of a team they are, but I I think ultimately over two legs, we are a better side. I don't see them scoring a ton of goals. And despite our difficulties breaking down low blocks, I've also not been unbelievably impressed with Atleti on the counter, I think with a fit Ruben Diaz, a locked-in City, and you know a side that knows that the quarterfinals aren't cursed anymore. We beat a good team in the quarterfinals last year. There's no reason we can't go and you know go out and do it again. Um, I I feel good about this City side. I, I think we can do it. I, I think they will do it. Um, and I, I I think that that's if anything comes from that week of he- those two weeks of hell that I will be going through it's that I think we're going to at least be in the semifinals of the Champions League after it's all said and done yeah and I think me and Mitch can probably say the same thing against Benfica um yeah it it, it definitely feel it, it's it it feel like when you're looking at it on paper it feels like we got the we got the easy one but I don't know. I think Benfica have a lot less to to like expect, so they're gonna go out and give it their all. Um, it's going to be a tough two leg matchup. They're a defensive it's, team, which I think is it, we're gonna have to break them down. Right, and I think that also plays into the style of what Liverpool has been doing lately, and it is breaking clubs down. It is yep. controlling the pace of the game. It is taking advantage of of those moments when they arise and it, it i don't see it being like three nil four nil games i don't see it being big heavy hitting stuff it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fight it's gonna be slow and um we just have to go out and do our thing and we'll be in the in the semis again definitely yeah. a tiago and bobby kind of match i think you got to have some some tactics going into that one how you're gonna break them down break the lines uh, but it wouldn't be the first time we've run through Otamendi and Vertonghen at the back. Um, I did uh, talk to Roman. That was a funny joke, by the way. No laughs on that one. Um, I told the Roman Ode- that... I'm Premier League champion, Otamendi, the, the Premier League team of the year, 2017-2018, Otamendi. Put some respect on El General's name, Josh. That's so, 
Pat's so stuck in the past. A, thir a 38 year old or however old he is, Otamendi and Jan Vertonghen is a very unintimidating defensive partnership. Respect, 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 Ricker, respect. I did talk to Roman. I told him that Liverpool deserve a break after going through Atleti, both Milan's and Porto, and he did say that was uh, disrespectful to call Benfica a break. <laughs> that's that's the, uh, that's Roman's input on this week's podcast. I dig it. Uh, shout out you, Roman. That's funny. Shout out Roman. Uh, Chelsea Real Madrid. That one's a tasty. Match. I'm, I want them to beat you guys so bad. Yeah, of course you do. Like what? Nope. Like I'd be concerned if you didn't. Uh, yeah. True. I'd be coming over there with like chicken soup and a fucking thermometer. Make sure you're okay. <laughs> Bayern uh, Villarreal. Uh, that's one's pretty straightforward. I think Bayern are gonna wax them probably. That's who Liverpool will play because now we have that setup where we kind of know our road to the final. Yeah, we all thought Juve would would beat Villarreal pretty easy, pretty handily though, and they gave Juve a tough time though. So oh, Bayern's different though, right? But I mean, I wouldn't just count them out. I mean, Bayern lost to Salzburg in the first leg of their game or of their their previous round. So really good side. They had some injuries in the first leg, admittedly, yeah. but they also come out. And Villarreal aren't terrible. They're attacking side. They they beat the odds once. Maybe they can do it again. They're my dark horse. I think Bayern were still without Neuer as well, but that's a pretty big injury. I'll, I digress. Chelsea Madrid, who do you guys have in that one? I I don't know. I go Madrid. I, I like my heart says Madrid, but after the after the the couple of weeks they've had, it's just it it feels like Chelsea aren't still out of it, with it, because I feel like they're defensively going to be able to hold Real Madrid more so than Real Madrid will be able to hold them defensively. Mm. So I I think Madrid and the Champions League are different gravy despite they are the banter from earlier. I think they get by Chelsea and then the semis is maybe as far as they go if they play like they did against Barca. Really shaping up for that Liverpool City Champions League final which is like the uh bubbly point of football. That's My that's the that's the culmination. That's yeah. that's the high point. That is the apex of what uh what this rivalry has has become over the last few years for sure. That is spot again. Homage. My worst fucking nightmare. That would be incredible. <laughs> that would be the worst fucking 100ish <laughs> minutes of my life, man. Mitch, I wouldn't look at you. I I would just talk like i normally do and it i would not be able enough. to watch the game with you no fucking chance i wouldn't be able to do it jo wait champions league final josh will be in maine for that i right? should be yeah i mean i don't know Let's what the exact go. date is but i imagine i will be um yeah all right it's gonna if be... liverpool make it i have to watch it with the whole main stand i can't just watch it with you mitch what day is what That's day fine. is the champions league we should stream it anyway on like youtube like our live reaction uh ucl final what date we working with here watch it's like a day i'm gonna be traveling may 20 <laughs> may 28th we're golden may 28th we're we're in there like swimwear i'll get hammered and fucking the old port again i'll spill an entire heineken under my table and i'll get sad because if we play liverpool we'll lose i was I, I was honestly pretty sad with that tottenham game 
at Tottenham final was just it like it what? was. What are it you was, one of those was, people on Twitter, Mitch? It was a bad game. Oh bro. fuck not, off! That was one of the best nights of your game. life because Liverpool lifted number we six. We won, fuck but off. it was a bad. Like if you look at it from from a neutral point of view, it was a bad game. Who cares? Yeah, I was a snore. That was a fucking. It was snore. like you get to the Champions League final and it's that dude. Like, you're one of those it, people on Twitter that think that. I'm not. I'm not, a, I'm not saying it on Twitter. I'm saying it right here. Oh, you know what I mean, though. That's insane, I man. Sh- I still celebrated. I'm still. I still enjoyed the win. But if you look at it as a football match, it was bad. That's like saying our Premier League title shit because there wasn't fans in the ground. Oh it my shit. fucking god! It was. We didn't get a parade. We didn't get to do the fun things with the fans. It was shit. Dude, like, we weren't, it's not, not like we were in Liverpool fucking in the parade mixing it up on the street. It doesn't matter if I'm not there. Everybody else who lives there and has supported the – like, you think we're the only Liverpool that, fans in the fucking world? That is an insane take. It, dude, it does not matter about the UCL. It's the whole run into the UCL that matters. And so we lifted number six in front of a, a ton of legends. <laughs> a great time for the club. We had the parade in, in the UCL final. Who cares what was a shit game? <laughs> That is an no. insane take. Dog that shit. is that is not. Dog shit. Give it give it to us down in the comments whose side you're on here. We are a Liverpool house divided. That is a bottom red take. <laughs> that is a 13 year old Twitter take. I'm fucking crying. Good thing my Twitter is probably 13 years old at this point, and I have like a thousand tweets. That isn't. I mean, Pat. Imagine if City win their first Champions League title, and you just play a shit game, and it's like, oh well, you know, fuck that Champions League title we won a couple years ago. It's a shit game. Josh, I'm gonna keep it a grip. If City win I, the Champions League, I'll be just like you. I'm gonna get blackout drunk and get a tattoo. Exactly. So. I'm not. I'm not taking away from any of that. I'm looking at. I didn't say fuck that final. Like fuck the cup like i don't wish i wish we didn't win it like that's not what i'm saying that was one of the first things you said when we got brought up so that's the first thing you remember is all oh, that wasn't a good game there was a really bad game it was terrible thank you that's all i'm saying <laughs> but i mean it doesn't take away it's literally like, number lifted number six we went to psg <sighs> God. Belgrade to God. Germany. Then we went to the Allianz and Liverpool scored three. I'm just three. saying, if it's Liverpool City this year, it's it better be better than what we got from that final in 2019. 1-0, um, City win, Joel Matip own goal in the 23rd minute. Jesus fucking Christ. Watch your mouth. Also, we got Sorry, Origi sorry. vibes in that game. Origi vibes. Virgil van Dijk own goal in the 92nd minute. When was the last time Virgil let in an own goal? Uh, didn't he technically wasn't he technically one of the goals in uh the seven two against Villa or am I tripping? He might have been. There was definitely an own goal in that game. That was probably the most heated the main stand's been in a while, that little two minute stretch. I don't think that was heated. I was just laughing really hard. That I, was funny as I was legitimately mad. <laughs> I was I was heated. I can't oh, get I over just that. Pull, I just pulled up a <laughs> I just I just did a quick Google search. Uh, <laughs> obviously, this has changed, but back in 2019, somebody posted this 20-second video titled All Own Goals, Virgil van Dijk is Conceded in the Premier League. And it's just a video, a 20-second video. It just says the word none. 
It'd be funny if it was just a gif that was like someone uh, waiting for the video to start playing. No, no. Oh, Van Dyke scored an own goal. City beat Southampton 1-0. Oh my. Of course you remember that. At the end of 17-18. Pat's all horny about the 17-18 season today. Now he's going to win us the Champions League. Thanks, Big Verge. Uh, Digressing from the Champions League. Something I'll let you guys run with here. (laughs) U.S. men's national team. Goes to Mexico City tomorrow night. Uh, cool. Today, if you're it. listening to it, what do you guys I... think? Um, well, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It feels it feels very near, uh, like nervy, very very nervy. Oh, we're gonna fucking lose. Panama's on Mexico's ass too. Only four. We're gonna back. fucking lose. I I don't know. I just I don't have a good feeling about this game tomorrow tonight. Well, tomorrow technically, but tonight on night of release. Yeah, I I feel bad. I feel bad. You want to hear an incredible take? Not take, but incredible fact. We're going to go the entire qualifying round without seeing Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, and Sergio Dest on the same pitch. None of them have played all together this entire qualifying run that actually is pretty insane we um, we, we still have McKinney out with injury Dest yeah, no is now McKinney. out with injury yeah no McKinney no Dest Reyna probably won't no play Turner. 90 no Turner we're losing we're gonna lose the game I, I'm not going as far as saying we're losing I, I think the big difference for the US this year in terms of comparing it to the last uh, qualification run that we don't want to ever think about um, is we don't have the false confidence because now this team knows how they can play. It's not running around with 11 youngsters who haven't gelled yet, who haven't figured out how to play as one. Um, I, th- I, th- I think we're a little bit more settled, a little bit more mature regardless of the injury like take those out of out of the situation i still think greg is going to put out a team that is going to fight because i don't think any of these guys want to go through what they did four years ago handful of youngsters beat mexico this summer not sure what competition that was but i know they did it and i watched it i i was i was witnessing that on my screen as well um I just, even with McKinney out, I don't think, I don't think it's time to lay down and die. I don't, I don't think the U.S. is going to just let the injuries run through the team. Say, yeah, no, you're not going to Qatar. I, I just don't see that happening. Well, I, I think we need, we need three points out of these next nine games to secure qualification. If I'm not mistaken, I just don't think we're getting it against Mexico. That's all there is to it. I don't think we're Azteca too. I don't think we're in the Azteca and coming out with three points. I think we're like 0-12 and 14 at the Azteca. (laughs) Yeah, it feels like a fucking trillion years since we've won there. There's no shot we're coming out of there with three points. I'm just being realistic. If they win, dick on hard, but they're not going to. Vibes don't seem to be too good in the camp either. We got Pulisic telling social media in turns to take photos down. He looked like he was a fucking 12-year-old walking around Disney World, dude. He looked 
He, he the first thought that came to my head was that is the the kid who plays center field in Sandlot. Like he looked goofy, but I like to attack some like probably twenty two year old intern from fucking Walla Walla, Washington for mm-hmm. posting posting a walk up picture. Like you you've looked dumber on the pitch. You've had your yeah. moments where you you've been more embarrassed, making a dumb face, making whatever it is. What like you're wearing a fucking denim jacket and a denim hat? What what like what's the issue here? Like it was literally just a fucking picture from his elbows to his head, and that was it. Like we're just arriving. We're like you've gone you've gone to how many stadiums and had your picture taken when you're walking in how many times i just think it's a dumb thing to get mad at and like just to 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 go down in the con take the effort to go down in the comments and say how's about contacting me before you post something like this it's a funny look uh, he doesn't seem like one of those guys, and the fact that they took it down actually <laughs> shows that it was serious. That's unreal. Uh, especially something as like prominent as the U.S. Men's National Team Instagram. That's not like a small club or anything like that. Prestigious. Mm. I'd love to get some U.S. Uh, men's National Team alumni's take on that. Um, I'm just going to get a t-shirt that says contact me before posting this and i'll wear it under every shirt i own with that with that exact picture yes i think that about wraps it up for the week unless you guys have anything else no uh no international breaks at this point the season suck and i'm ready for watford on the second bring on burnley away baby if you don't already subscribe to the YouTube, make sure you do that. Like, share the thing, uh, share it on all the social media, all the stuff we got going on. Engage with the Instagram uh, episodes listen to weekly. Pulisic on the screen there. What? I said, listen to Christian Pulisic on the screen there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah listen to what he's saying. Yes. Yeah. Any parting well, notes? Subscribe to the thing. Ding the bell for the thing. Episode next week, back on Friday. Uh, Thursday, just this week for international break. More content coming out, too. Hopefully more (laughs) guests in the future. Um, Yeah, stay stay tuned. tuned. We got some some cool stuff in the works, so uh, keep, keep your eyes peeled. Sir, deuces. Peace.